When I say people over process, that's a little misleading, I guess, because it makes it seem like process doesn't matter. Um, and that, that's not at all what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is how really my, my journey has been discovering this need for process and organization in order to help creativity thrive. But I also learned through that that I needed to not let the process overtake the people. That the process is there for the people. And, um, and so I have to keep people first and, and foremost in my mind. But the process is there to help them and thrive in what they're doing. So a um, little bit about my background. I told y'all some yesterday. but. You know, in my journey after leaving the agency world, coming into in-house teams, you know, ultimately what led me to an in-house creative team was that I got married, you know, I was looking for a little bit more stability in my life. The agency world was just nuts. I, w I mean, there was nights I would spend the night at the agency because we didn't have laptops at that time. And, you know, if you'd worked extra, you were working at the office. And so it was, it was crazy. So all, all that led me to like want something a little bit more stable, which led me to an in-house team. And then as I got there, what I realized is that, you know what, these people are just like me. Just because they're in an in-house environment, it doesn't mean they're not as talented. It doesn't mean that there's something different. It just means that they just desire a different kind of environment. And so that started my journey to try to find a way to help um, build sort of an agency model in-house so that they could get the experiences, the creativity, the variety that you get in an agency, but also have that in the stability of an in-house environment and not feel like you know, they're somehow you know, subpar because they're in-house. And so that, that relatability really helped craft you know, how I lead and how I think. And, then, and so three different in-house teams, I've led three different industries. So one was in the financial industry, uh, the toy industry I talked about yesterday, and then now at NAM in the ministry world. And so three completely different environments plus agency environment. And so all of that, what overall, you know, 20, 20 plus years now, what I've learned is that the variety of environments has given me perspective. And that's what a lot of people struggle with is perspective. Because early on, I would think, man, nobody has it as bad as I have it. I'm so busy. I'm so overwhelmed. It's so crazy. Nobody understands me. Nobody understands how hard this creative field is. Nobody understands what it's like to be a designer and have to you know, design something when you've been given no direction on what it is you're designing. And you're just supposed to come up with it out of the blue. Nobody gets it. But then as I changed environments, I realized, you know what? Actually, there's a lot of people that get it. There's a lot of people that feel the same way and not even other creative people. There's people that feel that same way in other positions and other you know, types of jobs. And so as I started to understand that, it helped me empathize with other people. And, and as I talked about yesterday, seeking to understand that helped me grow in how I related to people. And then it also helped me grow in humility to realize that, you know what, you know, it's not ultimately about me and it's not about how I feel. It's about how I can use the things that God's given me and how I felt um, to help other people thrive. So creative work, people think about it like it's just, chaotic. It's supposed to be chaotic. That's just how it is. And we just live with it. Um, but I, I, you know, what I want to talk about today is some ways that I found that organization is really the key to making it work. And when you say organization, what I'm talking about is creative operations. I'm talking about the processes, the systems, the guidelines, the things that you put around the structure of the team, the culture of the team, you know, all of those things are things that I found the organization of it to help 
create an environment where you can actually have more creative freedom because sometimes when there's no rules, no parameters, no guidelines, that's the hardest place to be as a creative because it's like I could go anywhere. I could go all the way over here. I could go all the way over here. I went through this journey over the years and I'm gonna talk a little bit about that, but um, when you say organization to a creative person, they're typically like, oh, that's stifling, that's rigid, I don't, I don't, I don't need anything to do with that. Um, but I, I saw a quote from Todd Adkins, I don't know if you know who he is, he's the director of Lifeway Leadership, um, and he tweeted recently, he said, systems is not a dirty word, sometimes when we hear it, we think that's a business type thing, but God created the solar system, and God created the circulatory system, and his tweet ends there, I guess he ran out of characters, but I'd, I'd add to that, God created the nervous system, God created the digestive system, God created the ecosystem. And so even though I had, I had already kind of learned this lesson when I read that, that tweet, for me it brought home, yeah, God is, our God is the God of creatives. Our God was a creative first. And so if he created systems to allow his creativity to thrive, his creation to thrive, then it must be godly, it must be a biblical thing, it must be a standard that I could follow. And so um, when I started to have that mindset over the years, I realized, you know, actually this, this gene that I have of being able to organize things and think analytically, but also be able to be creative, maybe I can use those two things together to help other people thrive, to help the team that I'm leading thrive. And then in that, I've ultimately found that that was my purpose, my purpose as a leader was not to be the most talented person on the team, was not to have all the best ideas. My purpose was to help the people thrive that God had put me in, in stewardship of and using the organizational abilities and, and ways that I had to think um, was the way that I could do that. So um, just a little bit of setup, and then I actually want this to be more interactive because I've got some things I'm gonna show you. So I'm from Tuscaloosa, Alabama and I will not talk too much about Alabama football, but I just have to say that when you grow up there and you live there and your whole family's from the state of Alabama for a really long time, um, you live and breathe, breathe Alabama football. So the last decade for us obviously has been a very good, a very good decade. Um, and love or hate Nick Saban, one thing that I've heard him talk about a lot is the process. You've probably heard him if you watch any ESPN, you know, interviews with him and stuff. And he talks about the process, the process, the process. He talks about how he can um, take a three-star recruit and turn them into a first-round draft pick because of the process. The process allows him to um, lose coaches year after year after year, have new fresh talent come in from high schools year after year after year, and continually be at the top. And, and it's not that he's got the best talent, even though he does have really good talent, it's that he's built a system and a process that allows it to thrive. And so that's, that's sort of become my philosophy in team leadership and, and creative leadership. And um, one of the things I've found uh, as I've started to dig into this is that getting to the root of the problems that the team is dealing with getting to figure out what the pain points are for the team is the best way that I can start to use organization to solve those problems. As I started mapping out processes and, or pain points and everything, I mean, there's just some common things, you know, too many changes, you know, people's behavior, like what I just said, they go around the system and go to the CEO and try to get whoever has the most influence to get them what they want. 
Um, there's not enough collaboration on a team. Everything's a rush. People skip processes I just mentioned. Inconsistency in, in our quality, in how we work. You know, every designer does things a different way. You know, okay, I've got all my files saved on my computer. I've got all my files saved on this hard drive. You know, I've got all my files in Dropbox. And so when somebody's out sick, I don't have anybody that can get the assets because they, nobody knows where they are. And so, um, you know, it just, and ultimately just having the time to focus. And what do I do? How do I, how do I time, find time to focus when I'm working on all this other stuff? Um, missing details, the culture, the last minute requests, all those things. Those are some of the key things, but there's a hundred more things. <laughs> and, you know, where do you start? Where do you start? And, um, you know, I found, you know what, I can't tackle it all at once. It doesn't happen overnight. But some of those key things on the previous slide, as I started to tackle some of those and realized that, that, that what, what, what are, what's the one or two or three things that I can do that's going to have the biggest impact on these pain points. And then as I start to see that happen and that flourish and that have an impact, then I go tackle the other things. Fake deadlines. I mean, that's one of the things I get a kick out of where, you know, a client puts in a request and they're like, hey, yeah, okay, so I need this for next Friday. Sometimes you're having to you work on your own personal time to get that thing done, and then you turn it in, and then they don't use it for about three weeks. And then you go and you're like, dude, what, <laughs> what's up with that? And they say, oh, well, I didn't really need it. I just gave you that deadline because I don't trust that creative people are gonna actually be dependable and meet my deadline, so I gave you a deadline that was three weeks earlier than when I really needed it. And so <laughs> things like that happen all the time, but then what that does is that creates a, a ripple effect throughout the team and all the other stuff that we're working on. So I've put off something else that may have been higher strategic value for the organization to work on your thing that you gave me a fake deadline for and then didn't even use. And so the, how, we had to figure out how to create systems to control all of those kinds of things. Um, I'm gonna come back to this because I wanna just talk and see what, what of these things are, are resonate with y'all, what, what are the challenges that you have. Um, but just, just to answer some of that how, you know, the first step that I always do is to pinpoint those pain points, to, to get in a room with the team, to, to get everything out on the table and figure out what's keeping you from doing the work you wanna do, what's keeping you from being productive, what's keeping you from meeting deadlines, what's keeping you from, um, getting started on this project. And, and you'll find a lot of those things are connected. There's, there's patterns in some of these problems. And I, and I didn't organize it on here on purpose because it's different for every team and it's different for every organization. You know, what's a problem for me at NAM is may not be a problem for you and your church. What's a problem for you may not be a problem for me. I don't have to deal with, you know, volunteers as much, but I know in a church environment, you know, you've got volunteers that you're trying to manage who you're, you're not paying and you're, you're depending on them and expecting them to do things. And so that's a challenge that I don't have. And what I've found is that a lot of these problems are consistent with everybody. Um, because a lot of it's just human behavior, it's client behavior, and, and it's, it's consistent with the creative work that we do, but it's, it's like there's levers to each of these. The proportions of this problem over here is going to be different in one type of organization than another, and so the solutions even may be very similar, but the exact solution may not be right for you what I use for that solution because of the, the differences in our organization. And so. A um, couple quick examples, and then I want to open it up. So when I started in an agency, there was this time where one of our clients called. Um, the, the owners were out, 
And I picked up the phone and they said, hey, Adam, you know, we've got this thing. Can you help us? Can you design this thing for us? I'm like, yeah, sure, I'd love to do that. Designed the thing for them and sent it off. They loved it. Like, yeah, this is great. Appreciate it. Thanks for your help. Loved it. A couple days later, same thing happened. It's continued to happen over and over and over. And man, I was feeling good. I'm like, man, this client loves me. Now they're calling and asking for me. And man, this is great. Until one of the owners came to me and said, hey, Adam, has, uh, has Janet been calling you and asking you to do stuff for them? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, just, isn't that what we're supposed to do? Like, help them out. I mean, I'm fresh out of college, fresh out of college. I, I don't know anything about, like, organizational policy, all that stuff. But she goes, well, you know, next time they do that, can you tell me? Can you let me know? And I was a little offended because I knew that what that meant was stop doing that. <laughs> and there was a part of me of, like, I liked being helpful. I liked being the guy that they liked because that made me feel good. And that made me feel like I had value. And ultimately, I realized you know, the reason she's asking me is because she wants to bill them for my time. <laughs> it's like a lawyer, you know, that you, that as soon as you call them, they're clicking start so they can charge you. And here I was doing all this free help for them, and they knew that they could call me and I would do it for them for free. And so that was their way around the system without having to get charged for it. And she, and, and so. Eventually I understood that, but, it, but I realized this is, this is just because I like being the go-to guy. And then as I started leading teams, I realized, you know what, actually this is a trait in the DNA of a lot of creative people, where we love helping, we love doing whatever we can do, we love being able to, because we can solve problems, we like to solve any problem. And sometimes they're not the problems we should be solving. You know, solving some person's problem in HR that's only an internal thing that doesn't reach our audience, that doesn't impact you know, the, the organization in a, in a big way, that's not the best use of my time, even though I can solve that problem. And so it, it just, that realization, I realized, you know, actually that's a, that's a pride thing. That's, that's, it made me feel valued, it made me feel good, and so I kept doing it. And it also had a flip side of insecurity to it, where if, if I stop doing this, then somehow I'm gonna feel like I don't have value because now I'm not doing this stuff. Or if somebody else did it and I didn't do it, then they're gonna get the credit and the glory for it. And somebody's gonna think they're more valuable than I am. And, and so this whole realization, and I started to see it in my team as I lead teams, and realized, you know, actually that was a problem in me too, and now I see it in my team, and so how do I fix this? And it was through organization and systems and all that stuff that I, that I realized I could start to fix it. Um, there was an example when I was at a toy when I was at the toy company. You know, we we made toys. Baby Einstein was one of our popular brands. We had six or seven other brands that we produced toys for, and each of those brands could have hundreds of products, and so there was, I think, a total of six or 700 products that we produce for a company overall. Well, every retailer that wants to sell those products has to have the images to put on their website. And so that means every product had to have photography, multiple angles, sometimes a 360, sometimes a video, could be a dozen assets you have to produce for Target, for one person for their website. And then they needed sometimes multiple sizes because they had thumbnail images and they had larger images. And I mean, so it could be, you know, dozens and dozens of images per product times hundreds of products that we had to produce. Well, the way those got to the retailers initially was 
the sales team who was responsible for Target would reach out to their person in Target and, and they would say, hey, we need these images. Um, can you get them to us? And then, sure, we'll get them. And then they call the marketing team and say, hey, marketing, we need these images. And actually, we need them tomorrow because they're launching the, the web product on their website tomorrow. So we need them now. You know, 30, this would happen dozens and dozens and dozens of times. Time retailers, times products, it was overwhelming. It could have taken all of my team's time for every single week, every single person on the team. And I'm like, <laughs> and that's one of the pain points that we were dealing with. And so the only way I could solve that pain point was with a system. And so we spent the time, I realized, you know, if I'm gonna work extra, I'd rather stop spending all, I'd rather stop spending my time in the evening working on stuff, catching up on my task list because I'm spending my day chasing all these images. I'd rather spend my time in the evening working on a process that's gonna solve this pain point so that then I can spend more of my time doing the creativity and the stuff that I really wanna do. And I realized if I place my time on the stuff that's gonna have a long-term impact versus placing my time on knocking out stuff on my task list, then that's when things started to shift for me when I changed that mindset. And so ultimately we came up with a system, we found this system that using Amazon Web Services, using some other, other type things, that my photography team could do the photo shoot process the images through the retouchers, put them into an asset management system that was tied to Amazon that had all of the variations of every single image that they needed, and then, and then Target's website was linked to that system so that anytime we added an image in there, every time we, and if we needed to update an image sometimes because something changed before it got launched, it would all automatically update within 24 hours onto their website. So now no longer did the sales team have to reach out, no longer was my marketing team having to find the images, it was all built into the system that the photography team is gonna do things this way and then the end result of what they needed to deliver was gonna basically be automated. And so I'm automating the mundane stuff, I'm automating the, the wash, rinse, repeat that isn't creative work but that sucks up all the time. And the only way that I was able to figure stuff out like that was as we started to dig into our pain points. Everything from, everything's a rush, I'm having issues with my vendors, there's too many changes, there's no collaboration, there's bottlenecks in the system. Sometimes I'm the bottleneck because I was a perfectionist and I wanted to hold on to things and I wanted to control things and I wanted to do things myself and, and I was a bottleneck in, in approving things so that my team could keep moving. And when I got all of this out on, on the table with the team, really not on the table, it, was, it looked like this, which is why I do that. I mean, because that's my post-it notes, whiteboards, and Sharpies. I mean, it's a joke on my team. They know that if I'm walking around with Sharpies and whiteboard and, and, uh, and markers, that something's about to happen. And so um, what I found is that there were these patterns. There was too many changes. That, you know, everything's a rush. There's missing details. There's inconsistency in our output. There's inconsistency in how we do work. And... When I found the patterns, I realized that actually I can come up with some solutions that affect a lot of things at once. I don't have to just put out one fire. I can actually put out 10 fires at one time if I see the big picture. But if I'm living in this state of I can't keep up, I can't, I'm overwhelmed, you know, and then I'm just gonna tackle the fire of the day, then the next one's gonna pop up tomorrow and it could be uh, something that could have been solved by the solution you did for that one the day before. 
And so I learned that some of them are relational solutions. Sometimes there's, there's things that I need to fix, there's relationships I need to build, there's, there's maybe even people on the team that really just are not in the right spot. They, they may have skill sets that um, aren't being used or, or they're a body that can do something, but they're not really the best person to do something. Um, and so some relational solutions could fix a lot of things at once. Sometimes it was a technical solution, like what I just mentioned before, where we came up with a system that solved a major pain point. I, I've had that happen a lot in, in, my, in my years where, you know, people would ask for stationery and I need a business card and I need this and I need that. And we would find vendors that actually, if we created a template for some of these print pieces that were just commonly requested, and we found a vendor that could host that on an online system and then had our standard for what type of paper to print it on, how, what quality to print it on, then we actually we could say, hey, if you need a business card, go fill out this form, process it through this system, tell them what budget to charge, and then we never touch it. And so those, those types of things. So um, that's a lot, but I just wanna see what, what's on y'all's mind. What, what are the challenges that you deal with? What are the things that, like, how do I, how do I work through this? What are the pain points? When you say change. Like um, improving systems, mm -hmm. trying to communicate better. A lot, everybody was ISOs, isolated in their offices and not collaborating very well. Um, building the whole how we handle requests and so forth. Not very, it's still not very good, but we're just trying to improve things. But I find that that will slowly make the change. I have to almost take that person to lunch and say, look, it's going to be okay. <laughs> Yeah, that the relationship building is key. Executive level advocacy is the secret sauce to all of this working. Because, you know, for years, um, you know, I would be, I would be tackling some of these some of these challenges, and I'd I'd come up with the perfect process. I'm like, this is it. This is going to solve it. This is a system that we're going to do. You know, I train my team on it. We do it. And then the next day, somebody on the sales team would ask for something. They'd go around the process. They'd say, hey, I need, it. I need, a, uh, I need a video to put on for this product, and I need it tomorrow. OK, what kind of video? What's it for? What's the purpose? What's the strategy? You know, I, <laughs> nothing, no detail. But well, you're the creative team. Just figure it out. Just figure it out. Just figure it out and just make it pretty. Those, those two phrases I've heard you know, 10,000 times in my career and, and I want to pull my hair out every time I hear them because <laughs> I'm like, that's, that totally undervalues everything that we do. And, and we would build these systems and processes and we'd fix it on our team. But then when that person goes around and we don't serve, or we don't serve them and then I get a text from the next day saying, hey, so-and-so in sales said that you weren't serving them, that you didn't help them, and, and we're going to lose business because you didn't do what they asked for. <laughs> How do you fix that? So at NAM, I've been blessed to be able to have a situation where the, the top-level executives understand these are our corporate strategies and goals. These are the things that we exist for, and the marketing team is there to support those goals. And 
if they're working on stuff that doesn't support those goals, they don't always know that we're not working on stuff that supports. They're just assuming that we're working on everything that supports the goals. But when you know Joe over here in the in the organization asks for something that he thinks we can do just because we're creative, and it doesn't drive those goals, and it starts sucking up our time, and then the the CEO finds out we're working on this instead of this. I mean, so that that's where the advocacy is that we know he's got our back. We know that when that person asks for something that doesn't drive a corporate strategy, that we can say no, but not always just no. Sometimes it's, hey, that, that's, that sounds like a cool idea, but that doesn't drive one of our goals. So either go rethink it and help us figure out how it can align with one of these goals so that we can actually work on it. Or if you really still want it, we've got this resource that we can connect you with that can do it for you. And because we've got all of these guidelines and templates and brand assets and things that will help them be successful if somebody else works on something that we don't work on, we feel okay that it's okay if they work on it. And, and even if we don't do it, we know it's gonna align because we spent the time on the guidelines and the tools and assets to allow other people to work on things that we don't work on. And so we don't, I mean, we're not perfect at NAM. We still have problems. We have capacity problems. What we realized is as we made ourselves more efficient and more strategic and, and, not, and doing less busy grunt work, non-meaningful work, and got to a point where pretty much everything we were working on was strategic, we found that actually there's another problem. We have an ability as creatives to make something strategic that doesn't come in as strategic. And so all we did was we took all, all the non-strategic stuff and made it strategic, and now we're working on strategic stuff, but that didn't reduce our workload. Because ultimately we had a bottomless glass. It's like, okay, we'll do this, but then also do this, and then also do this, and but we want this too, and we weren't, we weren't capping our capacity. Okay, in the agency world, their, their limiter is money. You know, if you don't, if you don't have your, if, if you want us to work on something else, great, but we're charging you. And, um, and we didn't have that ability in-house with money, and so we realized our capacity was ours, was time. And so we, we have a whole process and calculation and thing that we figured out where we realized, you know what, for, for this particular brand, um, they're this, this level of priority for the organization versus this other thing that you know, may be a little bit less of a priority. And so we're gonna allocate this many of our total team hours to this particular brand. And so they wanna work on something, great. But it better, if, if it's not strategic, if it doesn't meet a high level goal, if it doesn't, then they're just blowing the hours that are allotted to them eventually. And then eventually they're gonna run out of hours and realize, you know what, I wasted my, the hours that I have, allocation that I have on all of this other stuff instead of the stuff that I really need to do to make a difference. And so that's how we started to manage our capacity, which ultimately helped us get to a point where these become less and less and less of an issue um, for us. But, but you still have to stay on top of it. I mentioned, you know, with the grass yesterday, even though we have you know, this lawn that's totally different than the one that we did have, we still have weeds pop up. We still have to be on top of it. We still have to mow. know, yeah, I have to mow it. I have to water it. I have to you know, give it the nutrients it needs, but I still see weeds from there. And we go out there and we pick it, and you know, or we, we have to know the right you know, type of chemical we need to put down to treat it, to keep it from coming up. But it's, but it's a way better place than where we were because we put in all that work and that, um, that effort. What resonates with you? What are, what are some of the biggest challenges that you see in your teams? I would say uh, prioritization is actually a problem. Um, no, it, 
everyone feels that everything is important to them. Everything's a rush, yep. yeah, and everything's. So like, whether it's whether it's either thought out and planned ahead on their end, like from a constant orchestrator, whatever we're going to do that terminology, whether that's planned out with plenty of time or not, um, helping people understand that they're, the plates are spinning and what's happening in a kids' ministry area is valid, important, strategic, but there's no connection. It's not a silo necessarily. I wouldn't say it's that far, but student ministry has no connection or even <coughs> desire to know what's going on yeah. in kids' ministry. So they, they don't understand. So communicating the prioritization or what is the best project to get done in what order or whatever is, is, a, is, is an issue for us. It's, uh, so what I've found, so in the corporate world, um, the, what you, you have to have corporate goals. And, you know, for instance, with our, with our different toy brands, you know, with Baby Einstein, for instance, when we, when we were working on that, there was a particular goal at the time to get it expanded into different countries because it was only in the U.S. at a certain time. And, and so we knew that one of our goals, primary goals, was to get it into various countries that we were trying to get into. Well, once you know that's the goal, then you can filter other things through that goal and realize, is this thing that we're working on here going to help us get, get Baby Einstein into other countries? And so we did the, the, we've had to do the same thing at NAM, where, you know, planning churches, um, where, you know, getting churches involved in compassion ministry so that they can reach their communities, and, you know, evangelism and getting people to, to put their one on a map and, and start to reach out and, and evangelize in, in their area. You know, those are our goals. And we know that Send Network is the primary way that we do the planning churches. Send Relief is the primary way we do the compassion ministry. And, and so as these other requests come in for ministries that may be not connected to those two bigger brands or or even within those things that they ask for that may not drive that particular goal of is this going to help us plant more churches then that helps us do that filtering and then on the back end we've got you know team structures where we've got some project managers and and even a project manager isn't the solve what i've learned because i thought okay if i have a project manager then they're going to be the person to tell everybody no and I realized, nah, actually that doesn't happen because sometimes they're actually the nicest person, people on the team. So, um, you know, then I realized actually now I've got to empower the project managers on being able to say no. And the only way I can do that is by having some kind of filtering system on is, it, you know, like a, like a question and answer thing, like a decision chart, you know, is this a strategic goal? Yes. Okay. Keep going. Helping them do that empowers them, to, but but we also learned they also needed some executive level advocacy. So we've got a regimen of just some some meetings that we have every week that have myself in it, my boss, the CMO, you know, some other key leaders, and we sit and we talk about every project that comes into the system, and we make the decision before it even makes its way to the team on is this something that we want to spend our team's time and capacity on, and then if so, how many hours are we going to allocate towards it because we only have a limited bucket of, of hours and capacity that we can offer. And so that whole thing has, that process has helped us, you know, I, I wouldn't say solve the problem, but it is night and day better than it ever was for me in any organization. Sure. So, and, and we, as people who love excellent quality, we had to learn sometimes we don't need to use our 4K cameras on this video that's only gonna be played on Instagram. 
Um, because actually, sometimes that's a detriment because it looks too produced, it looks too quality. And, and then all of the effort and all the stuff that went behind it was just a waste when I could have got out there with my phone, which actually, when I was on this shoot in Minneapolis this week, one of the other, in, in addition to just creative direction and stuff that I do, you know, I'm there with my phone and just like getting some little social videos with the missionary, him just telling us stuff. And it's just me recording it on my phone and it's not the greatest quality, but that's what works for the medium that we're using it for. You're and, okay. you do an awful lot. Dude, so having my mindset shift to, to like, okay, my expectation of perfection and quality has to be flexible for what the situation is. And I've got to understand it better in order to be able to be flexible. So, what else? That's our. Understand your last comment there. The, the, the currency that you have at Van now is the man hours. Yeah. Um, and that's that's allocated by this team that meets and talks to the projects because it's always the challenge in the church. They have unlimited budgets. They just ask, and if you don't tell them no, they they, they spend. Uh, whereas with that agency, you know, it's once in a clock. Yeah. You didn't have that mechanism, so I was always in meetings trying to figure out what's the priority for leadership, so that I can line up our team's assets with that. It has to be a conversation from leadership in down through the team. I mean, if there's not a back and forth conversation of understanding goals and priorities of the organization and then understanding that there's a limited capacity. Now, if there wasn't limited capacity, like if I could grow to a you know, 1,200 person team like this guy over here, then you know, maybe, but, but what I've learned is it doesn't matter. I can keep growing, but then I keep, I keep adding more as I grow. And so, you know, for NAM, we know that our, we do not want to just unending, you know, add, add people and add resources because then we're not being a good steward of, of the, the, the giving, the offerings that people have given. And so we try to keep our head count low and then we use outside resources as we need to. But even in using outside resources, we, you know, we have to be efficient. We have to make sure we're using, you know, good quality but still also affordable. And so it's just this constant juggling act, and we, we realize, okay, if our capacity, if we're not going to continue to add our add people in order to add more hours, then we have to limit what we work on, and we have to realize that the marketing team is here for marketing. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Complicated. Is it that it's not getting worked on at all, or if you need to do it yourself? It's a complicated. mixture. So some, it, it's complicated because it's we're we're a highly relational organization, you know, and and none of us want to be the person to just say, nope, sorry, you're on your own. Uh, we're not going to help you because we don't do that. You know, we serve each other, and so sometimes, um, sometimes it's no, there's not enough information for us to do this, or no, this doesn't hit a strategy. Go back and work on it and help us you know, make it, a, you know, align it with your goals and then we'll consider it um, and start working on it. Or, hey, I know this is important, this is important to you, it doesn't drive one of our primary goals that we're responsible as a team to drive. So we have, you know, these three resources that we know that could do this kind of thing for you and so since I mean, they, so the different teams have their own budgets and stuff anyway, so if you still need that, here's this outside resource that you can use um, to get the thing done that you need to do. Now, the challenge in that, there, there's always a pro and con to everything. The challenge in that is you don't want to develop a culture where people start going around the marketing team and doing their own stuff. You mean the quilting class? Yeah. Goes up on the yeah. And so, so some of that has become cultural. I mean, just like Tim was talking about, 
the whole organization owns the brand. So whether you're a designer or not, you're responsible to make sure that, that it's quality and it meets our standards and it represents our values. And so if you go produce something on your own, even if you didn't have the marketing team do it, you better hope that it's, it's done right. And so that's where, again, another system that we've had to do is develop guidelines and you know some templates and you know assets that we produce we have a website where people can go and just download assets and guidelines and we're actually redoing some of our guidelines right now and so the better we can spend our time building the brand guidelines and the brand standards the more i can empower other people to produce things that are even if they're not as good as i would produce in-house they're still going to be pretty good at hitting the brand they're not going to be like out in left field and so I really spend my time on those things that make it more scalable, that make it more long-term, and then those become a lot easier problems to solve. Has that ever come back on you of someone, you saying they don't have time to submit, here are some resources they go out, but then they're still in left field. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the person would say that, but, <laughs> but that's where I'm saying. <laughs> But, but that's where I'm saying that eventually, eventually people realize, yeah, okay, I'm not, okay. This isn't my purview, I'm, I'm staying, I'm okay. Um, and, and you build enough value for, for the team and advocacy from the executives that the culture becomes like, okay, yeah, we, we've gotta go through marketing to do this. Or, or, and, but it's a partnership, it's a collaboration. And we, we try to find a way to have that conversation to help them be successful. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Department or ministry wanting us to promote something, and they have nothing inspirational what to say about this thing they want us to promote. And I've tried to instill within our staff our first job is to inspire people to listen and to want to be involved. And all they want to do is just give me dates and times, and then it's up to us with limited, like oh, we're all limited staff and resources, to kind of come up with the try to coach them, our request form uh, is really a creative brief to help them understand their audience, their message, what they're intending to do. But they just, they don't take the time to want to fill all that out. And so I'm wondering if really the request form just needs to be much more simple. But then I've got to then take the time to have a deeper conversation or somebody on our team has to have a deeper conversation with this department and try to dig out of them yeah. what they really are wanting to say and, and have done versus just hold an event. Yeah. Uh, I don't know the solution to that other than more time, which is not always the resource we have. Well, since we only have 10 minutes, I'll give you a brief thing. I mean, there's, a, there's so, I mean, every single one of these bullet points I have stories and stories and examples sure. of. So um, if we don't talk about it here today, y'all are more than welcome to, to reach out to me or, or see, catch me on the side. And, and I mean, because I, I can just go and start talking because I 100% relate. Because the, what, there's, there's a few things. Finding the connection of all of these things is ultimately what I mean when I say pinpoint the pain points and then spot the patterns. Because if you can get everything on the list, if, if your team is sitting down and you're talking, this is the problem. They don't give us details. They just say, I want a thing. They don't give us any kind of strategy. They expect us to come up with a strategy. Um, if you get all that down, then you can start to tie together what are the, what's the solution that's gonna affect all of that. Um, what we found, what I've found just over all these, all these years is that you can't make something without a strategy. 
you know, is coming to a creative person and say, oh, you're creative, make me a thing. Well, I gotta know what that, what's the strategy behind that thing? What is it you're looking for? It's just like, you know, I, my wife works for an interior designer, you know, and I love to do stuff on the side with, you know, remodeling houses and stuff. And it's, it's like, if I was building a house, you wouldn't come to me and say, hey, just build me a house. You're gonna say, what's your budget? How big are you looking for? How many rooms? What's the use of it? You know, you're gonna have to answer all these questions about what that house needs to be and look like in order for the creative person, the designer, to do what they do best to make that, that for you and to bring that vision to life. And so it's a conversation, and I think sometimes people think that because you're creative, you're just gonna magically have this idea and go figure it out, and it's gonna be amazing. But we're not mind readers either. You know, even if we can have great, great ideas, we're not mind readers. And so the biggest thing there that I've found is that you can have all the, I had, <laughs> I had a, a committee that I formed one time where the big, we had in the toy, toy company, there were multiple creative departments. Mine was the marketing creative and, and we did branding and, and a lot of different things. But there were multiple creative departments and one of their biggest challenges was this same thing, was consistency and information on what they got. There was a guy working on designing a toy over here. What the, what's the strategy for that particular toy? Where is it gonna go? How's it gonna get used? What's the age of the child that's gonna use it? All the way to when we go to market it, Who's the audience? Is this mothers? Is this grandmothers? Is this gift givers? You know, who's the audience? And so without some kind of consistent creative brief for all the creative departments, it was impossible for us to have any kind of cohesion bef between the work that we did. And so we got to the point where we, we, we got the executive leadership to understand, look, this is wasting time in the organization. You're, you're not utilizing your creative team's abilities. You're, you're, they're spending all their time chasing stuff, and the best way we can help them maximize the time that you are hiring these people to do the gifts that you you know that they have, is to have some kind of control in that system. To if if you put in a request, you better make sure you have the details. You don't go to the design team and ask for stuff if you don't have your stuff together. And now there's a fine line between them giving you the idea and telling you what to create versus um, you having to do it all on your own. And that's all about conversation and collaboration. And so I've got to have a good enough relationship with those clients to be able to go to them and say, hey, look, I really want to serve you here. I want to help and do what I need to do to make this as great as I can for you. But I need this, 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 and this set of information. And if you don't give it to me, one, I can't meet your deadline because it's just not feasible. And two, I'm not going to be able to do a good enough job because I'm not going to understand your expectations. And, and then as you have that conversation, you're able to say, hey, okay, I hear you saying this, but what if we did this? And what if we did this? And it becomes a conversation with the client. And so ultimately it came down to enforcement of those forms. Well, we're out of, we're out of time. I know y'all got lunch, but thank you for sitting here and talking. I mean, it's, I, I mean, this kind of thing, I could just go on for hours because it's, it's, it's just right where my heart is, but I know, but man, Thanks again. Thanks for what y'all are doing. I know it's tough, tough work, but reach out if anything we can ever talk about, I can help you with it.